great. I this feel so funny. popular and famous. Oh. All right. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Donita Stanton. We have Reginald Perriman, Shaka Williams, and we are Tasari. This is the There's Something About Real Estate podcast where we talk all things real estate. And we have with us today Justin Oliver of Keller Williams. And I'm very, very excited. <laughs> I'm like, literally, I'm, 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 I'm so excited to be here. I right. feel so famous and popular. This is great. Right. <laughs> That's funny. So, you know, I honestly would like to get started. You have two first names. I've got four first names. <laughs> okay. So my full name is Justin Edmund Morgan Oliver. Oh, wow. Okay. I, did, I see. I think I Morgan might that. be your last name. Well, but it's some people's first, first name. Yeah. And it's guys and girls. I was supposed to be Edmund. And, and my brother, when I was born, my brother started calling... My mum my was like, oh, this is Edmund. And my brother started calling me Eddie. And my mum didn't like Eddie. So then I became Justin. Oh. oh which wow. seems like the obvious progression. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Justin wasn't person? No, no, I was supposed to be Edmund Justin Morgan, oh. and then they flick-flacked it. Dang. Yeah. Oh. Flick-flacked it. And you say, I heard you say mum. So mom, can, can mom, you tell mom. us a little bit about yourself, where you're from? Um, yes, I'm. as you may have noticed, I'm not from <laughs> the metropolitan Detroit area. So I, I was, I was uh, born in England, and okay. I lived about two and a half hours outside of London in this fabulous little place called Bury St. Edmunds. Which is, it's basically, as, as when I was a kid growing up, it, this was heaven's waiting room. Okay. I mean, I couldn't wait to leave. And now I go back, I'm like, well, this is lovely. <laughs> this is like, there's coffee shops. And, oh, it's, a, it's, a, right. it's a very splendid place. Um, yeah, so I'm English, very English. Not Australian. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, you, are you from Australia? I'm like, no, I'm English. It's right. apparently my accent's just lazy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um... You know, I'm, I'm gonna let Reggie take. You know, you're, you know, you guys spend a lot of time together. I want to see the chemistry here a little bit. <laughs> me and me and Reggie, we 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 see each other on on the daily, but right. normally through glass, and we just wave at each right. other. and That's about it. He's in there hustling, mm. right? <laughs> and then I go back and I start hustling. Okay. Right, right. So a lot of I don't know the full story, but how did you get into real estate? Uh, do you want the full story or do you want the abridged version? The full story. All right. So the full the full story started um, I, I, when I was uh, when, when I was a I kind of had an unfortunate childhood. Okay. And and um, I uh, not unfortunate in just it was long story. We right. we it was <laughs> I, I didn't do very well in school. Um, okay. And and uh, I was my, like my I come from quite a well to do family. Right. And my family had sort of run out of money by the time I came along because there's a big age gap between me and my youngest brother. Right. And I you know I, you know as my dad used to say to me cheap bottle of wine Chinese takeaway and a blackout and here we are so <laughs> and and so like we we had this this big house but it and I ended up going to, to public school and it wasn't school wasn't great right um and uh, there was a golf course just across the street from school so I spent a lot of time on the golf course and not a lot of time in in school and as my my best man who, who was my older brother at, at my wedding said I left school by mutual consent <laughs> um, which was more on their side than, than anything else. And, and I, I wanted to play professional golf. Okay. So I basically dropped out of school when I was 15 years old. And I have wow. no formal education outside of my high school base level. <laughs> you want to back up <laughs> no, on this one? I had, I had no. That's a, we got a lot of stories. Right yeah. Right. No. Wait a minute. All right, keep going. I, I never knew that. Oh. Never knew that. Hi, Reggie. I'm Justin. Nice right. <laughs> All right. So yeah, so I so I so I sort of dropped out of school at, at the in the in, at, in those days you could English high school you could finish when you were sixteen and go to trade school okay. and do whatever. So I literally the second I could I was out and, and it, I got my what they call their GCSEs 
at the time. Okay. And I, you know, I, I just never went back and I was going to go play professional golf. And, and, um, and that didn't go so well as, right. as we can see, cause I'm now here talking to you guys about real estate. Right. So I, I figured out at a really young age that I enjoyed the sales piece. So I was working at a driving range in the pro shop and I was selling golf clubs and, right. and selling lessons and selling all this stuff. And as for some reason, I had this massive ego had past tense, <laughs> this massive mm, ego when right. I, when I was 16 years old and, um, I just really enjoyed the sales piece. And so I thought, well, I'm, I'm not gonna, my one big regret in life. And I, and I hate to say this, but my one big regret in life is I didn't give golf the time it needed. Right. I didn't necessarily have the best guidance. Um, my, my, my family didn't necessarily feel that professional sport was a valid career. And, and, and I, I, I turned my back on that, but right. I loved the sales piece. And so I thought, well, what's the biggest thing I can sell? Right. And the biggest thing to me was a house. Right. So I went and got a job at, at, with a local real estate company in the mailroom. And suddenly selling houses, this was in the mid nineties, oh. selling houses was taking flyers of, of listings and folding them and stuffing them in envelopes. <laughs> and, and I was just in this mailroom and I'm like, well, this is rubbish. So this is, is I don't really feel that I'm not really feeling the energy of the deal here, you know? Right. Um, and, at one point somebody was sick and a, and a home needed to be shown. And in England, you don't need a license to be a real estate professional. So you can go and show a home oh, if wow. you work for a brokerage. Right. Um, and I, I went to show this home and I, I took, I was a bit nervous. So they gave me the, the brick of the cell phone. I mean, right. this thing, it was enormous. Now is, <laughs> is that still the law in England? You don't, yeah, you don't have to be licensed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Let's go. So <laughs> when you're like the, the, the way that the transaction works there, you have an attorney on both sides. Okay. And All so right. the, 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 the agency, there isn't buyer's agency in the UK okay. unless you're very, very wealthy or, um, or very, very famous and you need some sort of shield. Right. The agency, the brokerage represents the seller. Okay. And so you, your job is a listing agent. You, you, the, the brokerage takes the listings. Right. And, and the, the public's responsibility is to go and trot around all of the agencies and get on, um, at least it was then, get on mailing lists and right. hope that then somebody from the brokerage would call you about a new listing or they'd see it in the paper or right. in the paper. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, so suddenly this, this guy, yeah, he's, he's not there. And I go and show this house and I've got this brick of the cell phone and, and this, these people are asking me questions. And I'm 17. I don't know. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out which way is up. Right. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm flipping down the thing and calling the office. And they're like, just take a list of questions and come back. So I take this list of questions and I go back and, and they give me the answers. And I call these people and they're like, great, we'd like to buy it. And I'm like, wait, what? Right. <laughs> hold on. And this happened a few times. And just organically, suddenly I just got used to showing homes right. and got used to talking about homes. And things just progressed really quickly. Wow. And then from there, um, I, I started to gain a bit of a name for myself because I, I was, I had no fear. I had no concerns. I had no bills. Right. I was living with my mom and dad. Yeah. And, and I, I, there was, it didn't matter. Whatever I did, didn't matter. And I mean, me and my best friend at our sister company, we had this client, his name was Billy Bogus. <laughs> and he would book appointments on Saturday afternoon so we could go to the football. And I mean, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a blast, but I, but I, I got a bit of traction and right. then I, then the phone started ringing. Right. And people would call me and say, hey, I mean, have you thought about moving to London? Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And suddenly I find myself 
living in London, working for this terrific company called Kinley Folkard and Haywood in their Southfields office, um, which was right opposite the tube stop, which was right. terrific because you get all these people walking up to your windows. Right. All agency in, in the UK at that time was all storefront. And so you put the listing in the window and people would come in and it was just this right. dynamic, electric environment. And that, that's how I got started. Hmm. Wow. That's the story. <laughs> that's the story, right. Yeah. Hold on, football meaning soccer. Football meaning soccer, oh, yes. Ipswich right. Town, terrible football team, terrible, terrible. <laughs> but they were our local team and Billy Bogus on a Tuesday night, me and me and me and my Bezzy mate, we'd, we'd, he, would, he would be like, Billy needs to see this house at 5.45. And that house was right next door to our local pub. So we'd right. go there for dinner and we'd go to the football. Um, so how much was your commission on that first deal? Oh, zilch. I was oh, okay. I, I was on a I was on a, a very very mediocre. I think my salary was five thousand four hundred pounds, and that's what. And that was my base. Sal oh, I I mean at that point uh, like seven grand, my annual salary. Oh wow, okay. My annual. But you were seventeen. Yeah. In the nineties, that still wasn't too bad. Uh, no, and I was living so, with my mum, not doing anything. Yeah. And stuffing envelopes at that right. point, basically. Yeah, that was better than uh, working at Wendy's. Well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they didn't have a Wendy's. Did yeah. Wendy's? Well, right. Billy Bogus didn't used to go to Wendy's. So. Right, right. So, so go ahead. This was the transition. I mean, I don't want to, I don't know. The transition from there to when you were making more money. Well, so that that was that was kind of an interesting one. So I, I the, the phone started ringing and, and, and I started to get this ego and, and I, I remember talking to a buddy of mine who was in college at the time and spending most of his time either smoking weed or getting drunk. So obviously a really good life coach for me. And I, I said to him, I'm just going to career hop. I'm going to money hop. Right. And I started bouncing between agencies and, and I would get a job with an agency and they'd give me a better salary and this right. one would come with a company car and then this one would come with a bit of commission and this one would come with this and this. And I started bouncing around. And before you know it, I was earning, I, I got, I moved up to London. Like I say, I was working for this company, Kinley Folkard and Haywood, right. fabulous company. They're still one of London's biggest independent brokerages. And I was at the time, 19 years old at this point, earning serious money and doing all the things that an idiot earning serious money at 19 should not be doing um and it it just it was it was an organic kind of bounce if you like based on hard work and real production cool so what brought you to the states ah the wrong girl Oh, wait, is this going to go on the internet? Wait, I hope, I hope, yeah. uh, hold on a second. Don't, don't say her name. <laughs> the, the wrong girl. All right. Well, so there's a bit of a backstory. All right. How, how, how much time do we, we have? We got time. All right. Okay. So in London, um, I, 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 I work really hard and, and our, right. our schedule at the brokerage, we work 14 days on, uh, then we take a day off and then we'd work six, seven, six with a day off in between. And then we would do the 14 day stint. So we were working hard. Right. And uh, I, I remember this, this, this very, very distinctly. I went for, um, for, for coffee one morning with my sister-in-law who lived in town, who is my sister-in-law is the most fabulous person you'll ever meet in your life. She's, she's an incredible professional. She works in the television industry. Just, just I mean, literally the best person you're ever going to meet in your life. And at that point she was a kind of a mentor. I admired her. I admired her career. And she, she, she said to me like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like you, you are you are going to destroy yourself if you keep doing this. You're not happy. You're you're working every hour under the sun. Like what are you doing? 
And after that cup of coffee, three weeks after that, I moved to Australia. Just out of nowhere? Just because something needed to change. Something needed to right. give up. So I moved to Australia. Um, and I taught, I, I, I traveled around Australia. I was, I was a, a cowboy on a cattle ranch and, and, a, and, uh, I spent some time scuba diving and sailing and, and, um, I, I delivered yachts for a while. I taught scuba diving for a while. And I spent, I spent two or three years just bumming around the world going from scuba diving instructor job to scuba diving instructor job. Um, so in, in England, when you're, when you're in England, you're part of the Commonwealth and it's a very usual thing right. for, um, for for young people to go and take like a working holiday and go to Australia or Canada or other Commonwealth countries and travel and, and the, the rules around the visa are you can travel for three months mm -hmm. and then you oh sorry you, you can work for three months right. then you have to stop working then you can travel a little bit then you work for another three months to get the money and, and you so it's like a working holiday right um and so I so I did that and and I I became a scuba diving instructor and through PADI the professional association of diving instructors you, there's a job board and, and suddenly right. I was exposed to all these postings around the world. And so I, I lived in Australia for a while. I lived in Aruba for a while. I lived in Ireland for a while. I, wow. I bummed all around the world and I kind of found myself. And in that process, I found myself in the Pocono mountains of Pennsylvania, <laughs> teaching, <laughs> teaching scuba diving in ponds to very rich kids from New York who were on summer camps. Right. And I, and I, I, I met a girl there and, and um, we, we dated long distance and she had a dual citizenship. And then eventually I moved back to England. Okay. got back into real estate because she was saying, look, if we're going to do something, you've got to stop flying around the world. Right. I'd like to know where you are for at least 10 minutes. That would be helpful. <laughs> um, and so we moved back to England. I got a job back in real estate selling houses. She moved there. Um, and then we moved to Chicago when, <laughs> when eventually she was like, you know, I, we want to put down some roots. Let's, let's go somewhere long term. We moved to Chicago. Why Chicago? Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting because she was from Baltimore, Maryland, wow. Maryland, whatever it's called. I don't know. Um, we, I don't know. She said, I'd like to move to Chicago. Neither of us have ever been there. And the first time we, either <laughs> of us cold. set foot in Chicago was when the plane landed and all our stuff was in the wow. back of it. Wow. So it was, it was right. literally, it was, a, it was a totally blind move. Right. Um, yeah. I need to know what happened after the plane. Right. Well, so the plane touched down and then we got a rental car and we drove to the apartment that we'd rented online without ever seeing it, hoping it wasn't going to be somewhere that we didn't want to live. Right. Um, and it was a very tense car ride. Um, and um, long, long story long, our, our journey, her, her and I journey um, came, came to an end and, and um, she's, she's a wonderful person. She knows in Hawaii and I wish her nothing but the best. Right. Um, but but that wasn't. She's fired up. Yeah, she went to Hawaii. Yeah, right, right exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I went to, to to you know Michigan. I stayed in the Midwest for that cold. Right. So I you know I, I when we moved here, she it was interesting. She kind of said to me, "Look, you're I don't have a, a, a education, a college degree, right? right? She wants to move back to the states. She's like, you've got to have a college degree if you're going to do anything in America. And I don't have one. So I I actually went back to school and I retrained as a cabinet maker. So believe it or not, I'm a classically trained cabinet maker. Um, and and when I so when we wait, hold up, hold up. <laughs> you went from scuba diver instructor, yeah, to to cabinet maker. Yeah, from from yeah, exactly. Well, that's an obvious progression. Right. You can't connect those dots. No, not at all. Yeah, I thought you were going to yeah. go from scuba instructor to um, a rancher training people how to ride horses. Well, I remember he did. That. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, did. yeah, 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 yeah I did that rancher, for three yeah. months. That was the hardest work I ever did. I'm never doing that ever again. I'm not going back to the ranch anytime hold soon. Hold on, what year was this that you moved to Chicago? Uh, Chicago, we moved there 13 years ago. Oh my god! All right. so this is not even that long. Ago. Yeah. So right. I, I was in Chicago for like for, for 
Yeah, because I was in I was in Chicago for for about about ten years before I moved to to Michigan. Wow. So anyway, so I, I retrained as a cabinet maker, and and now I, you know we opened a, a furniture studio, and um, <laughs> uh, we sold custom furniture, and that was great, uh, fabulous business. And I've always had kept my eye on real estate. I've always been involved in real estate in one way or another, right? So we have this furniture shop, and and that was brutal because did you have any interior designers listening to this? No. Probably so. Oh, okay, sorry. Because interior design is somewhat difficult because they would, they would, they would be like, "Can you build this?" And you look at this drawing and you're like, "Well, that doesn't actually exist in the three dimensional world." But okay, cool. We'll give it the old college try. And it was, it was, it was too much. And I ended up wrapping that up. And and um, it, it's it's interesting because as an entrepreneur, they tell you how hard it is to start a business. Mm-hmm. And tell you how hard it is to stop yeah. it. No one yeah. ever talks about how hard it is to Get stop. Up. Right. And it, and it was, that was awful and brutal and painful and cost me everything. Mm. Right. At the same time as, as um, uh, you, you, you know, um, everything else is, is, is changing in my life. And, and it was just, it was very difficult. And mm. then I thought, well, what am I going to do now? Right. So I go back to real estate. Mm. So why Michigan? So fast forward a few years. Um, I'm now married again and, um, I've got a very, very good real estate business in Chicago. I just sold a massive lump of brick that looked like an apartment complex, but it was actually a single family home. And, um, my new wife comes home. She just taken a promotion in, uh, she'd become the regional business director for Michigan, Northern Ohio. And I'm standing in the kitchen with a bottle of champagne and she walks in and says, Hey, uh, so we're moving to Michigan. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> um, she'd taken this promotion and it was, it was time to relocate her. Um, because traveling was too much, the right. expenses, the company needed her to live where she was. Um, and so she came out and she said, yeah, we're, we're moving to Michigan. And I went crack and opened the bottle of champagne and was like, well, what just happened? Right. That's wow. funny. What year was that? That would have been uh, April. No, sorry. That would have been December, back end of 2018. 18? Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, that was recent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 2018. Because right. we, we were fresh back from our, from our wedding and um, we got married in London. It was great. And then uh, I came to Detroit from the from the uh the store we're talking about real estate yeah yeah (laughs) so from the store to when you started operating your own your own brokerage Mm -hmm. uh did you have your own brokerage in chicago or you were just working no i was i was attached to um i I was a just an associate at a small independent brokerage in downtown chicago so yeah when you started that when, year, did you start that again? So you came in like 2006, 2007 mm-hmm. to Chicago, mm-hmm. and then you had the, the business, the furniture that business. Furniture shop, yeah. And then you went back to real estate in around what year? About four years. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that all wrapped okay. up in about four years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Correct. Got you. So, yeah. All right. And you were heavily involved, like, with um, the Board of Realtors in Chicago and everything. Very. So you got really... Um, you you got really heavy into real estate, not just from the sales side, but you were doing some investing and everything like that as well. There. Yeah. Right. So the company that I, the, the brokerage that I was with, the managing broker and the broker of record and the senior partner were all very active at a board level. Okay. Which I like because in England, 
like I said, it's unregulated, right? There's no licenses, but there is a governing body, the National Association of Estate Agents. And I was a member of that. And I always felt that elevated me there. Right. And then when I moved here and they were talking about the, the, the board involvement, I kind of fell into it because they would always pay the ticket and invite me to the event. And I would go because save me buying lunch. <laughs> so right. yeah, and off I, off I went. And it, that was that was a big thing. And then I, then I started realizing that actually that regulation was a really good thing. Right. Totally new thing for me. So I got very involved in the boards and I sat on the grievance committee. Um, I also sat on the global council, okay. um, which put a pin in that because <laughs> I got a little something about that later. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I was I was really active with that board. I even ran for the board of directors and I, and the I was slated to be a director of uh, the Chicago Association the year that we moved away, which obviously wow. then I couldn't I couldn't obligate. So. Right. Mm. Wow. Mm. I want to know, like, benefits of that, benefits of being uh, active in the board like that. Well, so I'm still active in the boards here. Mm -hmm. So with with the the, I'm a member of of GMAR. We're about to become right. a member of the Detroit Association as well. Um, the, the 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 when you say the benefit, do you mean the benefit to me? Yes. Right. Well, sometimes you got to look beyond that. Mm -hmm. So, for me, sitting on grievance committee, sitting on pro standards. Um, being active in um, the, the 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 governing bodies that uphold the standards that we, that we as realtors stick to mm -hmm. the code of ethics and the fiduciary responsibility we have to our clients. There's a there's a bigger um, a bigger benefit than just what it is to me. It's the benefit to the consumer. Mm -hmm. um, if you if you take the fiduciary responsibility that we have to our clients seriously as realtors, then you should do everything you can to uphold that. And to make sure that um, there is uh, uh, accountability for mismanagement of that, um, and that there are uh, that th th there are opportunities created at a board level for education, um, for um, uh, benefits to the realtor, benefits to the consumer, and somewhere where the consumer can go if it all goes wrong. Mm -hmm. um, not only that, but support for the realtor outside of the brokerage, because look, not all brokerages are created equal. Not all brokerages have the ability to provide extremely uh, beneficial training or continuing education or all the things that we need as realtors. The boards do that and we all pay them dues. Right. And so what do we get in return for those dues? Now, I've been very lucky in this career. And I mean, real estate has always been the thing that has given me everything in my life, mm -hmm. right? Financially. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've, I've dabbled in sailing. I've dabbled in scuba diving. I've dabbled in furniture. None of it really <laughs> it was a lot of fun right but it didn't get me anywhere um real estate has always been that piece mm -hmm. and sharing that upholding that and making sure that that's protected is, is way more important than any other benefit now don't get me wrong the people that tend to focus on the, the associations and the boards are also high performing realtors they're the people who can afford to donate their time right people who who can um who, who through generating big business can afford to protect that and pass it on to other people and so the networking that comes out of that is extraordinary gotcha right i'm an extraordinary mm -hmm. so cool. where's your um focus well i want to i don't want to go currently right now but you know in terms of real estate you know are you primarily focused on residential sales commercial sales flipping fixing investing yeah <laughs> Everything. So, I mean, my my primary focus at the moment. So, so I, I my my business is kind of split. Um, I have, uh, um, I, I own a holding company. 
um, which uh, is is investment based. And um, I realized uh, a few years back now, when, when I was still in Chicago, I realized that I don't have a pension. I don't have any right. plan for retirement, um, which is really weird because I'm sitting there talking to people about investing <laughs> and and how they right. can invest and how they can make money. And I, 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 I distinctly remember this. I had this client <laughs> when I was in England, when I was a kid in England, I remember this. There was this one guy, I can't remember his name, he was a surveyor. And it, there was this buy-to-let scheme that came up in England in like the late, the late 90s. Mm -hmm. And it was a way where you could get a, a mortgage, you could mm -hmm. buy a property to, right. to rent it, to let it. Right. That's what that's what they call it in England. And I was always like, oh, that's brilliant. And every time I got a house that I thought would be a really good investment, I'd call him and he'd buy it. Like, this is, <laughs> this is brilliant. So this guy now, because obviously, you know, we're going back to the 90s and inflation and price rising and all the rest of it. This guy is a multi-bisquillionaire at this point. I right. mean, he had more money than God. God love him. But I started thinking about this in Chicago. And I'm like, well, I'm telling all these people to do it. I'm helping these people do it. Why, why don't I do it? And then I realized, well, I just closed the furniture shop and I haven't got any money. And and then the light bulb went off that you don't really need money to buy real estate. Well, no, let me rephrase. You don't need your own money to buy real estate. So the question then became, how can I amass wealth in a, in a long-term position that allows me a pension where I don't really have to put too much out of pocket because I ain't got much? Right. And that's how it all started. And the first deal I did on my holding company um, was actually a driving for dollars deal um, we, we, that's a whole other story. We'll, we'll put a pin in that. But my, so my main focus now, my, my main focus is the, my holding company, because that's my, my long-term play, but I'm also heavily invested now in, in the brokerage piece, which is how Reggie knows me. Right. Um, I, I, when I moved here to Michigan, I thought, well, I can either become another sales agent and go and sell homes and, and start again from scratch or I can go back to commercial, or I can get involved in the business of real estate. Right. And through meeting people and, and um, networking and, and uh, taking some time to explore my options, I discovered that actually the, the business of real estate was where I wanted to go to, not the, not the practice. Mm -hmm. What's a holding yeah. company? What is a holding company? Mm -hmm. um, the holding company is an entity that um, we buy and flip homes, but we flip them to ourselves, and then we hold them and keep them as investments and, and rent those out. Um, and we create wealth through um, recycling our money. And um, instead of flipping it and selling it for profit, we flip it to ourselves and hold the equity and uh, develop five streams of income through one piece of property mm. long term. And it is not right. The, it, it, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to get rich tomorrow doing it, but uh, over the long term, it's going to yield extraordinary wealth that I won't have had to pay for. Who will be an example of five streams? So we, 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 we buy it and we develop it and then we flip it to ourselves. Hopefully, um, when we flip it to, so effectively, um, what we're trying to do is recycle the money, right? So I take, uh, money, either mine, private money, whatever it is, buy the piece of property, um, renovate it to a point where I can then refinance it. And hopefully the money I take out is more than I put in. But I've got to obviously leave equity in the property for the terms of the mortgage. So you've got to be careful about how you buy it and how you renovate it. So stream one is a little bit of profit on the refinance. Stream two is the equity that you generate by doing that because now I've got all my cash back right. and I've got a piece of property that I own with equity in it. That If I chose to sell, I could realize that equity. So stream two. Stream three is the positive cash flow on the, on the rental income that you generate. Right. So 
hopefully now if I've done my mathematics right and I've my lenders are correct and my refinance is correct and my the money I put in is correct. I'm I'm positively cash flowing on my holding costs of the property. Right. So I'm making 150 to 200 bucks a bill, somewhere around there. Stream four is the long-term appreciation because this is a long-term play. Right. The long-term appreciation of the value of the property over time. Um, and also the fact that over time, my mortgage or my expenses are going to get paid by somebody else. Right. Because for the most part, the property is rented consistently and that mortgage is being paid down. So I'm creating long-term wealth because in 15 years time, when that loan, 15, 20, whatever it is, when that note is paid off, I have that property free and clear and that's now my wealth. Mm -hmm. It's not cost me anything. And right. then stream five is obviously the tax benefits of owning real estate and writing things off against it. So that's my five streams on one property. Right. And the, the goal for me, and we've recently just started doing more of this, is, is to do more multifamily and, and less single family. Mm. So that's a version of Burr. It, it is yeah. Burr. And it's, yep. it's basically, I'm glad you mentioned the tax advantages and the appreciation, because when we talk about streams of income, most people only think about what I'm getting right, right now. now. Mm -hmm. So most people would have only said, well, I got one stream of income, mm -hmm. and that's the income from the rent. Mm -hmm. But you're considering the appreciation, and saving money on taxes is another form of income. Yeah. Because there's less money you got to pay out. Absolutely. So it's great. Well, and the thing I loved about it more than anything else, when I found out about, and I found out about the, can I say the name of the podcast? Because mm -hmm. yeah. I found out about this yeah. through, like, you know, Beardy Brandon on Bigger Pocket. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that was where my ex my first exposure to, I mean, I think they're the ones that coined the term Burr, right? Yeah. That they, they, it's always existed. Right. Um, but for me, that strategy was, I, I was always looking at this as what am I going to realize in 25 years time? Mm -hmm. Right. It was never about how can I increase my cash flow right now? Right. That's just an added benefit. Mm -hmm. If I can build my holding companies to the point where, where, where we're cash flowing 10, 15,000 a month, cool and right. that's where i want to get to i'm not there yet but that's where i want to get to right now if if i can end up with um a piece of property that i've basically put nothing into because i've taken all my money back out right don't get me wrong every now and again i'm gonna have to put some money in there's gonna be renovations whatever else but for the most part i've put nothing into it in 25 years time when that mortgage is paid off I own that property free and clear, right? Save my taxes, my property taxes, and it ain't cost me a lick, mm. right? How is that not a good thing, right? And then I've got that equity that I can do whatever I want with. I can release equity to go invest in other things and do other things and make more money. I can sell it and just take the cash. Or at that point, my positive cash flow goes through the roof because all my expenses are gone. In 25, 30, in 25 years, 25, 30 right. years. So right. can you ex elaborate on why you said, why you're okay with receiving 150 to $200 per door per month in, in a net profit? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. If I said to you, you can buy a house for a hundred bucks a month, would you? Yes. Right. Well, I'm, I'm getting paid a hundred bucks a month to buy a house. Correct. So I'm 200 bucks up on you. Mm -hmm. That, that's too advanced. That's too advanced. Well, it's so. it's advanced, but it's simple because sometimes people overcomplicate investing. Mm -hmm. So when you think about it that way, it's just as simple as it can get. It, but explain it for the, the, the normal. Like, All right. So 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 let, let let's look at it this way. If I said to you over time, if your expenses and your income 
were net even mm -hmm. but over 20 years you can realize a hundred thousand dollars in 20 years mm -hmm. would you do that deal yeah absolutely right. right so that is effectively what i'm saying mm -hmm. my overhead and my expenses are basically net even mm -hmm. with a little bit of positive income mm -hmm. which will help me to and and when i say the way that i analyze a deal i also factor in that my net profit, my net cash flow allows me to be stashing some money for mm -hmm. repairs and other bits and right. pieces. So that 150 bucks is basically my old shit fund. Correct. Right? Correct. If I said to you, if you could have something net even that realizes you $100,000 in 20 years time, you'd do it. Correct. Right? Now, when people say to me, oh, I'm, uh, you know, you get an accidental landlord. Right. Right? They, they, for whatever reason, their life changes. They can't sell their home. They don't want to short sell, whatever else. They go rent it out. Right. Right? And they're losing a hundred bucks a month. Right. And they're like, God, I'm losing a hundred bucks a month. The world is going to end. The sky is falling on my head. But if I said to you, if I flip that script and if I said to you, would you buy that property for a hundred bucks a month? Mm -hmm. You'd be like, yep. Well, they, they wouldn't because they don't understand. What they don't getting. understand. No, but, but most right. people that are like, I'm losing a hundred bucks a month on the property. When you flip that script, mm -hmm. most people, like, when you say, would you buy it for a hundred bucks? Most of them go, say, well, yeah, yeah actually I kind of would. Mm -hmm. But they don't know that's what they're doing. Right. That's what I'm saying. So when you explain that to them and when you say, look, you've got to think about the, the, the realized long-term gain. Look, mm -hmm. unless, you're, unless you're flipping for extramental profit right. or you're building or you're in construction, mm -hmm. real estate is a long-term play. Right. right. And the people that get really rich in real estate are the ones that amass quantity mm -hmm. and take minimal income over time mm -hmm. and right. then amass the, the... I mean, think about, think about if you earned... 10 properties right. in our market right now, Metro mm -hmm. Detroit, right. right? Over the last year, mm -hmm. what has your net worth done? Crazy. Yeah, you right. went up by a million. Easily. Just just by... by and, and so if I say... In and so, any area. But here's the other thing, right? right? With that, your, your net worth went up by a million. Right. What did your mortgage payment move up by? Not at all. Diddly squat. Right. So if right. I said to you, your, your, your um, net negative, 100 bucks a month, mm -hmm. right? Over the last year right if i could have sold somebody a hundred bucks a month to make a million right i would be a besquillion right right <laughs> and that's what we we talk about a lot of people don't so a lot of people look at the real estate they don't look at the real numbers so what he's talking about is the real numbers mm -hmm. so back i think we mentioned on an episode before people that were underwater in their homes mm -hmm. that brought no part for maybe 130 and then the home values dropped to maybe like 80. Mm -hmm. They were like, oh, I'm selling my house. I'm going to let it go because it's only worth 80. Mm -hmm. I'm losing money. I said, you didn't lose money. The bank lost money mm -hmm. because you didn't pay 130 for it. The bank did. Yeah. But a lot of those people walked away. They were only paying eight or $900 mm -hmm. a month. Um, for their mortgage, they walked away. Now that same house is worth two fifty or two sixty, yeah. and it's no way you can get no part. So, so the, the, number, the number you put on a piece of paper is not the price, price. that you pay for mm -hmm. a property. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Fact done. Mm -hmm. I will and, argue this one every day of the week and twice yep. on Sundays. And I, I, I get this with people. People are like, oh, I'm <laughs> overpaying. I'm like, no, no you're not. not. What, right. what money came out of your pocket? <laughs> right. That's what you paid exactly. in partnership with the bank. Mm -hmm. yep. Now, it's, it, if it fluctuates and it dips, okay, right. you're only out your down payment. Right. Right. It, right. It, it, and, and when, like, I, I overpaid for a, um, a multi-unit recently. Right. And my lender was like, dude, 
Seriously, <laughs> this is not going to cash flow. What this is not. Wait, and I'm I'm looking at it. it's a four unit property, and I know I'm overpaying it. Right. But here's the thing: I overpaid for it by writing a number on a piece of paper and walking away from the closing table with a check for twelve grand. Mm. Right. Right. So I so out of my pocket came right. negative twelve thousand dollars. Right. No, sorry, positive twelve thousand. I made twelve thousand yeah. dollars on the right. deal by by hedging all. And so I didn't. And my lender's like, "Don't do it. You're crazy." Mm -hmm. Right now, I've cash flowed that one absolutely break even, mm -hmm. but the value of that property has gone up over the last year just by stuff, mm -hmm. just right. by things happening. It could have gone down. Right. Mm -hmm. It probably over time will go up. By the mm -hmm. time I settle the accounts on all of it. It will have gone up. All I've got to do is maintain it over time to realize the value. So you mentioned two things. A lot of people are scared of maintaining it mm -hmm. yeah. because they feel like, oh, if something happens, then I have to come out of pocket. Well, be a landlord. But, be a landlord. Yeah. Be, be give a give real... somebody a great home. Right. And then also enjoy the tax benefits of putting money there into it. There you go. And, yeah. mm -hmm. and on top of that, what people don't realize, even when the market goes down, rental rates don't never go down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you... Actually, what? rental rates go up mm -hmm. because the more people that lose their homes, mm -hmm. they can't rent. go out and buy. They have to go out and rent. Correct. Mm -hmm. So now you have a bigger tenant pool. Wait, wait, Absolutely. So, so, but I think the biggest issue is people don't, they microwave, right? They mm -hmm. want the money right now. Mm -hmm. They think about the short-term gain, which is... It's the IKEA philosophy. Correct. Right? Right. I don't like my furniture. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scrap it and go buy new mm -hmm. furniture. Th right. that, that real estate is a long... Unless, like I say, unless mm -hmm. you're constructing, unless you're building, unless you're realizing for actualized profit right now, mm -hmm. real estate real estate investing to me is a long-term play. Mm -hmm. And it, 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 there, are, there are so many ways that you can make money with it. And I just chose this one because, number one, when I started, I, didn't, I, I, I mean, I didn't have a lick. Right. And I literally, my first deal I did driving for dollars. And it was so fun. Um, <laughs> it, it was literally, it was, I mean, it, it, was, it was a blast. Right. My second deal was was beyond fun because it was wicked lucrative. But it wasn't like, it wasn't lucrative like right then. Right. It was the embodiment of those five streams of income mm -hmm. that I'm now still sitting on right. and kick-started everything I want to do because it was the light bulb moment mm -hmm. of, oh, crap. Right. And and I you know, like I have a little spreadsheet and I track my net worth and that that's super fun mm -hmm. and and I and I, I look at that little mortgage payment and the right. measly amount of principal that gets knocked off mm -hmm. but but it, that will keep going and that's fine and then you tinker with the notes and you tinker with the cash flow and if you need more cash flow you can pay something down mm -hmm. or not and I, right. there are some people that don't like the idea of being over leveraged and I yeah. get mm -hmm. that. Yeah. and I am I am I am highly leveraged mm -hmm. no argument I'm highly right. leveraged because I have built my portfolio. Um, with six thousand mm -hmm. dollars. Wow. I have a question. Right. Yeah. Um, it'll be um an example. So if you had an opportunity to do a, um, I guess it would be more of an assignment. Mm -hmm. But if somebody trusts, let's say it's a family, maybe it's your dad. Yeah. And you're like, you know what? Uh, yeah, you 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 hold the mortgage. Mm -hmm. Maybe the mortgage is um a, about. 10 to 15 percent under retail currently mm -hmm. um but you had to give dad five thousand dollars to do the deal mm -hmm. so that means you maintain the mortgage mm -hmm. you can probably net above the mortgage mm -hmm. in rental payments and your investment is like five grand to get into that would you do that deal what is it who owns the title <laughs> um dad owns the title but you'll have all of the 
power of like anything you need to be able to pay off the property and be in front of it, you'll have all of those legal documents. So you'll be in control of it. Yeah. yeah. Basically, you're paying to be yeah, in control. Be so you're just assuming. So you're, you're you're buying the property and assuming the mortgage. So you're doing a sub two, right? Mm-hmm. If right. it was legal in the state, I would do a sub two deal for sure. Yeah. And and yeah. I mean the the what you were saying about people getting out of of property mm-hmm. because they got underwater and mm-hmm. were suddenly concerned. Right. I mean, there are so many times where actually a sub two deal. I got to be careful what I say because I am also a licensed broker, mm-hmm. right? And I, my my responsibility in any situation, even when I'm doing a driving for dollars deal for myself, right. or I'm doing a cash deal for myself, I've got to declare I'm a licensed broker. Mm-hmm. My 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 responsibility is always to the seller, mm-hmm. and I will always make sure that I'm protecting the seller in, in however however I want to do it. What's the motivation of that seller wanting to get out of it? Like, why mm-hmm. why does Daddy want to get out of the property to me? So if you, your dad is just kind of like, you know what, I don't want the property anymore. Um, and you're my son. I want you to take care of it. Just give me. I just need you to give me a couple thousand dollars to cushion my. <laughs> well, but what's but what's the equity in it? The equity. It's probably like the current equity. Well, so why, when 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 pops is saying to me, I want out of it. I want you to assume the note and deal with it. Mm-hmm. Is there positive equity in the property? There's a little bit of positive equity, but maybe not enough to get right now without doing like certain repairs. So, so like the lender that the lender yeah. that would give like maybe like eighty percent LTV loan of value probably wouldn't do it. Yeah, because it's probably not enough to refinance yeah. at this time. You, you have to, then yeah, it but depends it, on the area. It's too many. It's yeah, a lot, it's of, a lot of variables. That, 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 there's right. so many variables on that. Mm. But let's say it's in a good area. Yeah. It needs some repairs. I can't get 80% LTV. Right. Daddy just wants me to assume the mortgage. Mm-hmm. I, I got to stop saying daddy. Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> right. that. I'm saying mom. Pops just wants me to assume the mortgage. <laughs> right. and, and he just wants out. That's fine. I But I might say to him, look. My, my fiduciary hat trumps a lot of things here. And and, right. I, and I, I take my responsibility as an agent and as a broker really seriously. And I, that's why I'm so active in our boards um, and, 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 and why I do what I do. And so I might counsel him and say, look, there are better ways to do this. Mm-hmm. Right. If he pressed and pressed and pressed and said, I don't want to do that. And if he signed something that says, you have explained all of my options to me, then yeah, I do a sub two deal as long as it was legal in the state or country that um that, that that deal was happening right. if it, there, there are some places where assuming mortgages and sub two deals are not legal mm-hmm. and, right. and so i would never do those obviously um but if if it was if it, in the situation that you paint yeah especially when you're saying that there's unrealized equity and a little bit of sweat equity or a bit of renovation and whatever else because ultimately you know if it's if it's a, an elderly member in my family, they're probably not going to live long enough to realize the value of any anyway. repairs that get done. Right. And and the, the reality is, I I can over, over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would. But your want... relative may want you to do that. Yeah, maybe great. Well, and it, and, and yeah. I and right. I have no problem doing it. If, yeah. And if he said to me, "I want you to realize right. the equity of this," I did. I never did it. Absolutely, yeah. I would. Mm-hmm. And I would also do a sub two deal if it helped somebody not short something mm-hmm. if it helps somebody not foreclose on it if it helps right. somebody to protect their credit and get them out from a bad situation mm-hmm. i would do it but if there was a lot of equity in the home i never would i tell the seller mm-hmm. okay so it basically like if there's somebody that's they may be there may not be any equity right mm-hmm. or a little bit of equity and they're facing foreclosure they can't put it on a the market they don't have the money to mm-hmm. fix and repair it there's not enough money to cover closing costs mm-hmm. You may come along and give them an amount that you're both satisfied with, and you take over the note 
and then you start increasing the value of the property and over time it appreciates in value i would only do that deal if if it if if number one it helped the seller right and if number two there was the potential long term to realize an upside right but i would only do that deal if i have explained to and this is where like like there's wholesalers and investors right Mm -hmm. i'm a licensed broker Mm -hmm. and i take that really really seriously and i will never i would i would do a deal at my detriment to protect the seller rather than rip off somebody to do it i will never rip anybody off in that ever 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 is that a shot fired yeah. Well, no, I don't no, think no, it's no, a no, shot no. fire. No, it's not shot fire. I want to make sure. No, listen. No, no, it's not. It's not shot fire at wholesalers. It there are there are people who who will potentially take advantage of another human being, mm-hmm. and that exists in everything. That exists Correct. in real estate. Right. That exists in 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 every business there is. Mm-hmm. I just choose not to load my karma that way. Right. And and I'm not saying that other people listen. If a wholesaler can take a, uh, I I have wholesalers. I'm on buyers lists. Mm-hmm. If there's a wholesaler who can get somebody out of a bad situation and they're not ripping off mm-hmm. a, um, a, a a seller, if they're helping a seller to realize the best possible situation, then great. Mm-hmm. Wholesalers don't have the same fiduciary responsibilities that agents do. And and I would always caution. I mean, I, I don't know. I might be about to get shot here. Right? <laughs> no, like this, we t- this, this, this might be literally the last time I ever come on this podcast. <laughs> no, but I would, no. I would, I would always caution if somebody's getting a really great offer from a wholesaler, mm-hmm. speak to a realtor and see if it is a really great offer. Mm-hmm. Just right. just do your due diligence. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Sometimes the best deal is the one that you can get and the one that makes sense right now and it's not the most money. Right. And if you're in dire straits and as a wholesaler and they can get you out and it's quick and it's clean and you're okay with it and you've done your due diligence, good luck to you. Gotcha. So I I don't have anything against wholesalers, but I have... I have something against people that do bad business. Yeah. And that's realtors and wholesalers. 100%. So like, if there's a situation, sometime that wholesaler is presenting a better solution than a realtor that's going to put it on the market. I think the confusion is a lot of the general public, especially when you deal like some of the lower end properties and things like that, people are not doing enough research. So they're not getting an opinion from a realtor and what the wholesaler offered, or they'll just sign a contract and then they'll go look elsewhere. And it's like, no, you can't do anything. You're already under contract. Mm -hmm. So that's where a lot of people get jammed up. I I think the one one thing about, about a realtor is is the hope and again there are bad realtors mm-hmm. out there the hope is that a realtor abides by the code of ethics and and, and uh, honors the fiduciary responsibility they have to their clients the, a, a wholesaler doesn't have that fiduciary right. responsibility and to your point there are right. so many really good wholesalers out there right they're actually looking to provide a solution to people mm. right there are also bad realtors and there are also bad wholesalers who are looking to take advantage of people and, right. I, and I don't support any of that because there's not enough i can't i can't retire on the money that i make from one deal right right i always say i can retire on a reputation and a business that i build over time by doing the right thing by enough people and i also really enjoy sleeping at night lesson so that's a lesson (laughs) right so i always say that i'm never going to get rich off of one transaction whatever it is right one transaction is not going to make me rich right but that relationship yep 
as, as how you get rich. Yeah. Right. Oh, the, uh, I, one of my best relationships is somebody who I, and I, I quote the phrase, I forbid you from buying this house. Mm-hmm. Right. I got fired for that. Yeah, well, he, well, he talked about that on the show. Well, but get this, so, so, I, so I did that, and I got fired for it too. And they bought it. Yeah. And then they called me six weeks later. They're like, can you sell this? I'm like, no, no. No, thank you very much. I do not want that dog with fleas. Yeah. And that client has referred me so much business yeah. because I right. said to them, I forbid you for buying it. They're like, we're going to buy it. Write the contract. I said, no. Go find somebody else to do it. I'm not going right. to do that. Like, it's, it's a dog with fleas. Yeah. Right. And, they, and, and it, it's not, you know, again... As a realtor, it's our. A lot of people get get make, make mistakes here. A lot of people think a realtor's job is to take your client's instructions, mm-hmm. which it is. Mm-hmm. But what's the difference between a consumer and a client? Your client, you have a fiduciary duty to to advise a counsel. Counsel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And when and, and when somebody says, "I want to buy," if if you're let's let's put it into something that that, that the whole world can understand. I want to spend a million dollars. On a Ford Focus. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not going to do that because that's terribly wrong. But I want to do it. I want you to. No, I'm not. I'm not going to let you do that. Mm-hmm. You want right. to spend a million dollars on a Bugatti Veyron? Be my guest. <laughs> Absolutely. One hundred percent. Say it again. Bugatti. 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 <laughs> not Bugatti. <laughs> no Bugatti. <laughs> All right. Is that the proper? We got to look that up. Right. Depending if you listen Let's to T Pain, it's to Bugatti. I, yeah. I don't. Bugatti. I don't. Bugatti. I don't know Bugatti. what's proper or not. I just say Bugatti. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I, I mean. <laughs> It's one Listen, of them. Right. It's, I'm just not from around these the, parts. The million dollar car. Right. right. Mm-hmm. But but I'm not going to let you spend a million dollars on a Ford Focus. Mm-hmm. If you want somebody else to do that for you, that's on you. I'm going to tell you, don't do that. Right. And if I believe in it so strongly, like the, the person that I said, look, don't buy this house. I believed so strongly it was bad that even with their instructions and them signing mm-hmm. a, a waiver that said, he said, don't buy it. <laughs> I wasn't going to write the contract. <laughs> I, I lost a lot of investors like that, mm-hmm. that they're calling. They're just so amped up about Detroit. And they're like, oh, I want to buy this house. And I'm like, are you sure? And they, it's not like a long-term play. They're like, oh, I just want to buy it, fix it, and flip it. You can't even flip in that area. Like, nothing has sold over a certain dollar amount. Mm-hmm. You're going to put more into it than what the market is worth. What, what did the so, old Beardy Brandon have to say? Beware the $10,000 house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're, yep. and, they're, and I actually... Before, when I was living in Chicago and I first started on this whole investment piece, and I was looking and I was looking at cheap real estate in Detroit, kept popping up, and I'm like, I can buy a house for a right. dollar. <laughs> oh my god, this is a, this is the greatest place, and this is utopia. And and then you know, but that's not that's not real because here's the problem: furnace is the cost of a furnace, whether the house is a right. buck or twenty grand or forty grand or hundred grand. Exactly, roof is a roof, shingles are shingles, labor is labor. Yeah, and it doesn't none of that matters. Right. Like you, you you have to learn to analyze your numbers and analyze your numbers properly, conservatively, and carefully. Right. And you have to have a strategy behind how you analyze your numbers. Mm-hmm. And the strategies will be different. Your right. investment strategy might be different to mine. Right. You might be looking for different gains. I'm okay spending more on a piece of property than maybe some people would say I should, air right. quotes listeners, that... <laughs> If if I if I can realize a long term gain that meets my goal, right. But you've got to understand how to analyze your numbers, and you've got to understand what your strategy is. And I mean, it's it's the same as a business, right? Right. What's my strategy? What am I trying to achieve? How can I do it? And 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 where do I go from here? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're you're investing because the way you're talking about investing is like more or less some of the um, 
some of the more like the the big time investors like mm-hmm. BlackRock or something. They're like, oh, we're going to buy this portfolio. How is it performing? Mm-hmm. What can we leverage against it? And that type of thing. But you can use that same strategy on a single family Correct. resident. 100%. And you yeah, should. Yeah. Right. So when you're talking about the appreciation, the tax benefits, that all still apply to a single family home. But the, most, the, people and most people don't. They, they don't even think about the tax consequences. The analytics on a single family home mm-hmm. are the same analytics as on a $100 million portfolio. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the, it is exactly the same, just with a few less zeros. Mm. Right. And a little bit less. You know, risk, maybe. Right. But it's mm-hmm. not like, for, for, for me, this this is, I, I got into investing as, as my pension. Right. And then I kind of got a little hooked on it. Mm. So, question. Yeah. This is like the big question. A hundred single family doors mm. or mm. Um, 250 unit apartment buildings? Preference? <laughs> is that a person? I mean, it's yeah. a preference. Because people give you different answers. My preference has always reasons. been single family because I can, um, I'll, I'll answer and then you can answer. Right. So, my, my preference has always been when I got into this, right. my goal was to get 100 uh, single family residences right. over the apartments mm-hmm. because I felt like, um, and I had a, a guy that's a, uh, he was wealthy that was showing me that I need to buy the apartments. Right. Right. But I said, dang, if one I seen apartments get on catch on fire, one apartment right. catch on fire and that whole uh, building has to be shut down. Right. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's crazy. Right. So but I, so I that's felt, why it took so long to think about. Yeah. It, right? Yeah. So uh, but I felt like in the, in the, if I bought uh, 100 houses, 100, 100,000, I mean, 100,000 other houses. Right. Right. Uh, one house catches on fire. It's not going to impact the rest of my portfolio. Right. So that's why I went with, I, that's why my goal has always been, that's still my goal right now. A hundred. Right. Well, first, doors. first, you got to reanalyze your, your insurance and make that's sure that you're covered for lost income. Correct. Right. Yeah. Correct. Um, <laughs> but you're, not, you're still not going to get, uh, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, if, yeah. you, if you're insured for lost income, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But the, the, um, personally, I would actually prefer 50 single families and 150 unit apartment mm-hmm. building. Right. Yeah. Now, for me, the way that I built my portfolio, and I'm continuing to build my portfolio, I started off with single families right. because the barrier to entry was relatively low and I could start and I could do what I said by realizing the five, five streams of income, right? right? So I could buy it with OPM, right. other mm-hmm. people's money, mm-hmm. or right. one of them was BOM, mm-hmm. Bank of Mum. Right. Um, <laughs> so you, you, you can you can buy them with these these private deals. In fact, even even my my wife was one of my investors at one point. Right. And, and oh, she got so the ex wife or no, the, no, the, the, the current okay. one. All and right. she got so mad when I was late for getting the money back. I'm like, you're gonna get your money back, don't worry. Wow. Was late. She's like, is this how you treat your investors? I'm like, oh god, don't publish this. She's right. gonna get me. No, no, I'm, so, I'm just sitting over here saying like, listen, to Auntie. Go ahead. <laughs> right. Right. No, so so uh, you know the. the barrier for entry is really low and the market I invest in actually isn't isn't the metro Detroit area I've only been in two and a half years I haven't really had a chance to um because of my my, what I do daily with the brokerage and the time and and the family and the house and the rest of it I've not really had a time to 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 plug into the to the market here so I'm talking about the market that I invest in which is um Champaign Urbana in Illinois Mm, um and we we can talk about why and and all all manner Mm. of other bits and pieces in in a couple of minutes but the barrier 
to get in there was for a single family home was relatively low. Um, and I can I can break down numbers of a couple of deals for you as well if you want. Um, I could amass single family homes by a little bit of money out based on that birth strategy mm -hmm. that we talked about with the five streams of income right. and a little money coming back with a profit for the flip, right? So my cash is growing. Right. And I can keep doing that until the cash that goes out and comes back is big enough that I can use that on a down payment for a duplex. Mm -hmm. Right. Then I can keep doing that when I can amass the cash for a, a down payment on a fourplex. Now what I've built is a track record. Mm -hmm. Right. Now what I've built is a proof of concept. And instead of trying to figure out getting money to buy a 50 unit apartment building off the lick without any experience, without any track record, and then going to, I mean, no bank's going to look at me for that. And then I go to a private money lender and the private money lenders, yeah, sure, 50%. No worries. Mm -hmm. Right. What you, what, you, what, you, what, you, what you got, you know? Right. And I, mm -hmm. listen, the, one of the first deals I did was a 25% was a private money deal. So I, I know the pain of it, but it was, I had to do that in order to prove the concept. Mm -hmm. And actually the sad thing is I made the deal work on 25%, mm -hmm. but that's beside the point. Um, the, the, I would rather have a, a balanced out portfolio. The right. bottom line is, we all know the math. Single family is empty. Right. You ain't getting anything. Right. A 50 unit apartment complex realistically is ne if, if you've structured your leases correctly and all the rest of it is never going to be empty at one point. Right. But if you have 50 single family homes, right. are they all going to be empty at the same time? And is the positive cash flow you get from 50 single family homes able to support a couple of months of vacancy here or there? Yeah. Right. So are you running each individual property as its own entity or are you running the business as a portfolio mm -hmm. right and that's where the difference is i believe yeah. when you grow to scale right. in in the first instance unless you've got a lot of money single family homes make more sense mm -hmm. right. right because the barrier for entry is low you can get in you can deal with it when it's vacant you are going to have some pain exactly right. <laughs> should have counted that right. in the beginning though so you should but, use right. and so your and, and your number and you, right and, and yeah. i mean i analyze things on a 10 month lease not a 12 month lease right i look i, I use look 70 percent yeah. so you use 10 months i use 70 percent right, right. Mm -hmm. so i i always look at is is my cash flow net positive on 10 months mm -hmm. right. 12, right mm -hmm. now when we um when we look at a, a, a big portfolio would i rather 250 unit buildings I would still rather have a balance because I feel I'm better spread, I'm better hedged. Right. That's and a lot of people, a lot of people choose a single family in case they have to liquidate. Correct. It's always, a, I can yeah. sell 10 houses out of the 50 or out of the 100 very mm -hmm. quickly mm -hmm. versus an apartment building. Well, it depends on the market. No, you but can always do it. It doesn't yeah. matter to the market. No, see, that's yeah. interesting because I never, ever think about liquidating. And that's the thing I was going to say too. Mm. A lot of investors always think like short term like you were saying yep. earlier mm -hmm. if you're thinking long term long term wealth you're not getting out and that's when like the price and the oh the market my market value is only this mm -hmm. that doesn't even matter unless you're planning on selling mm -hmm. as long as your cash flow positive that's all you care about yeah that's all you don't even care about the value unless you're going to refinance or something and, and i'm always thinking about maintaining over the long term because apart from not being a pga tour golf professional and not giving it that <laughs> time my biggest regret was selling the first property i ever i ever bought mm, and yeah. the first one i ever bought was a little flat in this place called ipswich in england 
It was a lovely little flat. It was a two-bedroom apartment. It looked over, over a hill. It was beautiful. And I bought it for £22,000. And a year <laughs> later, I sold it for £44,000. And I thought I was... <laughs> I thought I was... I mean, Grand Cardone ain't got nothing on me. Right. <laughs> Let me tell you. I was like, well, how many jets can I buy with that 12 grand profit? And, right. and, and, it, that, and, and now I look at what it's worth. Wow. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so Jay Z, yeah. then he, he right. said that he was he sold what for a million dollars? Some painting or something. No, nah, it was the um, yeah, was it the painting? Yeah, I think it was a, the Basquiat. Yeah, he sold yeah. it, not knowing, but right. same Don't concept. Yeah, but, but you know, the... but at the time, and I mean, that was ultimately the money that I used to go around the world and. Don't get me wrong, I had a rippingly mm -hmm. good time on that money, right. and I enjoyed it greatly. Right. But, I mean, looking back on it now... Mm. Yeah, I have that. So I had a condo on Ferndale. <laughs> <laughs> I sold it like four years ago. Mm. For oh. 69000 Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, listen, if, if we all had a degree in hindsight, right? I mean, yeah. right. like, my crystal ball's broken. It's in the shop. Yeah, well, it, it, it was a cute little place that I would love to still have to today. But it's like you said, what did you do with it? In my yeah. mind, I was like, I can leverage myself off of, you know, I was 600% profit. No, I mean, right, right. And at the time, you're like, well, this is a killer deal. But then you're only realizing one stream of income. You're only, and, 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 yeah. and, and now I've grown to understand this five. And, and I'm not... I don't like if I went back in time, I'd probably do it again because I right. did have a rippingly good time on that yeah. money. But it, you, you know, the long term play when you talk about having to liquidate, right? I can't imagine ever. I, my long term goal, to be honest, is 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 the legacy that I can create. And if mm -hmm. I can create a pensionable income from my investment portfolio that sees me through my dotage and ideally keeps me in the style to which I would like to become accustomed. Mm -hmm. Right. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then if that becomes a legacy for the, for the, you know, dog's home that I'm going to leave it to or whatever else. Mm -hmm. Great. Right. But I don't plan realistically on actually ever selling anything. Mm -hmm. The only reason I would sell something is to liquidate finance to buy something else mm. as a better opportunity. Better, better, better right. uh, yeah. uh, return. Yeah. Better investment. Better right. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's smart. Can I take a selfie here for some social media? Yeah, stuff? yeah. Because <laughs> this, this is actually the greatest day of my life. All right. I'm we're sorry. Getting, we're yeah. getting there. Can you there? There you go. Cool. Right. Sorry, Karen. So um, I do want to ask a question for your role at the brokerage you're at now. Yeah. You are a team leader. Correct. Right? And I don't want people to confuse that with like a team leader, somebody that has their own team, mm -hmm. but you are a team leader for the brokerage. What exactly is that role? And uh, so, are we? Can we? Are we? I'm assuming we're being brokerage unspecific mm -hmm. here and agnostic. Right. And yeah, okay. right. So, so, the, so, the, so the brokerage I'm attached to is is a, uh, um, a, a a brokerage that kind of speaks its own language. Right. Effectively, um, if we were to put it into corporate speak, I am the CEO of the brokerage company. Okay. So I run. Um, it's a franchise model. Right. And um, there are investors who. Um, have invested in the franchise and right. hire me as right. the CEO to implement their vision. Right. And that vision relates to the profit and growth of the office. Right. Um, and so it's my job to implement their vision for the profit and growth of the office and also to implement the core culture of the company. Right. Um, and, and so it's a kind of oversee that. So actually I'm not, although I'm a licensed broker, I'm not in production in terms of, listing and selling and buyers and all the other right. bits and pieces. Okay. Um, so my day-to-day, -day, um, my, my, my job is to make sure that real estate agents have every possible opportunity to create 
the business that they want right and um to ultimately be able to plan um a life by design that they right. create and and listen all four of right Shaka, mm-hmm. your, your idea of success is different to mine mm-hmm. it's different to reggie's it's different to you janita like we've all got different ideas of success my job is to implement uh, uh, or to help to implement a strategy that allows you to um, financially compensate yourself for a business, for a life that you want to lead through the ultimate magic of real estate. And, and I firmly believe that the opportunity that exists as a, as a real estate salesperson, a real estate agent is better than, than anything, anything else. Out right. There. right. And, 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 and look, it's not for everybody. Right. Success is very simple in this industry. It's not easy. Right. But it's very, very simple. And if you're willing to roll up your sleeves and you're willing to be coachable and you're you're willing to look at who succeeded and how can I emulate it and you're willing to to um, grind a little bit and plug in and take some rejection because ultimately, sorry, that's what business is. Mm-hmm. And, you know that, right. that that's my job. So I so I'm I'm the CEO of a of a uh, the biggest real estate uh, company um, in in our immediate area. Um, our nearest competitor is about 50% our size, right. uh, which is very exciting. Um, and, um, I, I coach, train, consult, uh, recruit, headhunt, talent scout. Most people, when I call them are like, Oh God, somebody else going to try and recruit me. <laughs> but what they don't realize is the reason I'm trying to recruit them is because I can usually provide them with an opportunity to save them money or, or, or at least offer them an opportunity. Right. I may not be able to, but I'm, I'm at least, I, I at least believe in what I do enough that, that I think that the models that I work in offer a terrific opportunity for other people. Right. And I'm willing to try and share it. And I hope people are willing to listen to it and then they can choose for themselves. Right. So layman's terms, you're Roger Goodell. <laughs> for, right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You're Roger Goodell. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I get it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I like to think that I don't I'm, know who that is. You know, <laughs> like, it was so apparently not layman's terms. Yeah, right, you know, right. that was a Adam Silver, you know who Adam Silver is? Yeah. You can Google it. One, one the of game. them. Right. You know, either one, whichever yeah, one you no, choose. It, it, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, the, 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 the bottom line, take, take brokerages out of it. Mm-hmm. Take, take any right. of it out of it. Look, real estate is, um, show me a billionaire that doesn't have real estate holdings. I'll show you a lie. Mm-hmm. You know, real estate mm-hmm. is an opportunity that should exist for everybody. And, and when, right. when we, when, when I, the thing I love about my company is we, we really make sure that actually that, right. that is a, a true thing. Like it, it is open to everybody and, and, and not everybody's going to be a great agent, but everybody deserves a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's something that has, has changed my life exponentially. Um, I'm a, I'm a frustrated beach bum golf professional, wannabe <laughs> furniture maker, Hashtag cowboy, loot cowboy, <laughs> failed. I mean, at one point, I was even cleaning hotel rooms. Wow. I, no, I used to, so when I was working in the treetops, the Radisson treetops in, in Port Douglas, Australia, and I, had, I there was the, the hotel had this bird. He was called Bozo. He was a big old white macaw, and he used to sit on my shoulder and we'd go around and clean the rooms. It was great. So I'm all of that. I'm, I'm all of the things. But the bottom line is, is look, the, the, I want to share this with people and I want to help them get there. Right. And and a lot of people look at me and they're like, oh, you just want to recruit. Oh, you just want to do this. Oh, you just want to do that. Do I bollocks? Like, seriously, mm. what I actually want to do is help you to realize the opportunities that's right in front of you. And and I'm sorry, let's be real for a second. The reason that most realtors are not realizing extraordinary 
extraordinary wealth is because they're too either mm. lazy mm -hmm. or they're not willing to, to have that honest conversation in the mirror of what's missing in my life, what do I need, and who can help me get there. Mm. And that's it. There's no reason why why every person that wants to be a real estate professional can't be if they're just honest with themselves. A successful real estate professional. Right. Yeah. I mean, no. Agree. Is that a true statement, though? I'm well, sorry. Facts. Yeah, no. Can everybody be a realtor? <laughs> everybody that wants to put in that work. So, no. He, well, he everybody said everybody. Successful, but he said everybody who wants to put in the work. No, yes. No, no, no. no, he's saying everybody that puts in, anybody that comes into the industry and puts the work in. Right. Why can't but you? But my, my, my question is coming from a different angle. Yeah, oh, okay. Why, why, so, well, no, she's saying people that can't even get their license because they have like a record or something. No, not even that. Oh, I went Just too like far there's enough. so there's so <laughs> many people that want to be an agent. There's so many licensees. There's so many like I mean, right. if everybody yeah, but, yeah. in the world is a real estate they agent. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. If you watched an episode of Selling Sunset and saw some Louboutins and a couple of Lamborghinis and you thought that looks like fun, cool. Right. right. Mm. And then you're like, I want to be a real estate agent. Anybody in the world can be a successful real estate salesperson in the same way that anybody in the world can realistically do anything they want if they plug in and have the mindset to do it. And the bottom line is the mindset is number one, grit and determination. Number two, accepting of the fact that you have to learn skills. Number three, accepting the the, the, the the knocks that you're going to get, which ultimately is going to happen. Number four, the grit and determination to be able to focus on um, how I can continue to elevate myself. And if I'm in there down, how can I turn it into an up? Number five, understanding that in the real estate world, there are opportunities for everybody to fulfill whatever they want. You may not be the person that is the driver. You may not be a rainmaker of a team. You may not be the person that is like me that wants to go out headstrong into the world. You may want to be the person who is just a key turner. I want to go show homes. I just want to help buyers. Great. Become a buyer's agent on a real estate team. Mm -hmm. And, and now, now, now you're fulfilling two roles. You're helping the driver who wants to grow its business. And you're helping yourself by getting into a position where maybe lead generation isn't your strong suit. But the driver is the strong suit. And you're helping them to fulfill the leads that they're generating they can't service. And you're also doing the thing that you love. There are opportunities in the real estate world for every single category. Every single category. All you've got to do is find the right lane. And then to some degree, you've got to have that mindset of what do I need to do? And you've just got to be honest about it. Mm -hmm. What's missing in my life, right? What Right now, what's missing in my professional skill set? If I want to become a real estate professional and I'm going on... 50 listing appointments and I'm not taking any listings. Maybe your listing presentation needs some work. Right. If you're right. not able to get onto 50 listing appointments, maybe your lead generation needs some work. Mm -hmm. If you're not able to um, generate a lead for an appointment, but you're really personable, maybe you need to go and work on a real estate team and help buyers and families secure real estate because that's what you're good at. Find right. your lane and be honest about it. And the second people start being honest in real estate, in anything, this is the second that you'll find success. And I firmly believe that there is a lane for anybody. And, and there are some people, if we take the disc, right? You've got your DISC, right? If we take right. that, if you've got the people who are maybe not the high drivers, but are really good at, at the back end stuff, 
there's so many opportunities for admins, for right. contractor close, for coordinators, for people who can help a driver to facilitate where they want to get to. And if we break down a real estate transaction into the 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 the, the pre face to face, the face to face, and the contractor close, all three of those buckets usually the realtor goes, I'm going to do all three of those. Mm -hmm. That's wicked cool, but that's three right. different skill sets. Mm -hmm. And, and, and as an individual realtor, you're sitting there going, I'm going to be everything. I'm going to be the CEO. I'm going to be the CFO. I'm going to be the financial controller. I'm going to be the paperwork. I'm going to be the admin. I'm going to be the salesperson, the lead gen, the customer support. I'm going to be all those things. Can you imagine Richard Branson running Virgin <laughs> Airlines being all the things? The guy can't even drive a plane. Mm -hmm. Right. And yet he runs airlines and hotels and media companies because he's factored into that one simple piece. Find a person that wants to do the thing that I don't and create a world that's big enough for them to go do it. Mm -hmm. I remember, Too many chiefs, not enough Indians. I right? remember speaking to one mega agent and he was like, yeah, all my buyer's agents make a minimum of 150,000 per year. And I went to his office and I started counting how many buyer agents he had. And I was like, damn, how much he made, right? <laughs> right? right? Because if you're helping these people all make this amount of money, and, and he said minimum, mm -hmm. So that means there was some people making a lot more. Mm -hmm. So I said they have to be very comfortable with their role to not want 100% of the pie and also 100% of the work. But he had to be comfortable with being able to give away, not necessarily giving away, but feeding them the leads that he probably would have made 100% of. But he had to split it in order to get 10 people. Mm -hmm. He that make I got the hard part. I got, I got a challenge on this. There's, right. there's one piece I want to challenge you on. Yep. You use the phrase giving away or giving mm. up. All right. Right. Now, the people, the, the, the buyer's agents that went onto that team right. probably assumed some lead generation and some lead flow mm -hmm. that they wouldn't otherwise have had the ability to get right. mm -hmm. or the want to get or the desire to mm -hmm. get. Right. And they wouldn't uh, have got the administrative support that that team provided. Mm -hmm. right. right. So one might say that by them giving up the split, well, what would you, if you're an individual agent, what are you going to do? Go, go to that big website. Yeah. <laughs> not, oh, you can not say doing it. so well we, right now. We, and we the, broke no, them down. Right. Right. Wait, don't say it. Don't yeah. Yeah. No, they say no it. we broke them down. We had a whole episode on them. Yeah. You're, what, you're going to go and spend $3,000 on lead flow that may or may not come through right. versus working with somebody that's got an ISA that's pre-qualifying mm -hmm. leads and is going to give you an appointment. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. So, so you say giving up commission. Right. The bottom line is if, 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 if a real estate agent took their business and broke it down through a budget yep. and a profit and loss statement, they would be shocked mm. at how much money they are not making. <laughs> right. Bottom line. Right. And so, you know, when, when you, when you talk about the, the rainmaker, right. Giving up or giving away. Right. No, he's not. Because exactly. he's charging that person for the opportunity that he's created. And there's no way a rainmaker can scale outside of the hours that he's got in a day. He or she's exactly. got in a day. Right. So if you so if I'm a rainmaker, right? If I want to if I want to be a really consummate real estate professional, right. I'm not just a let's, let's say I'm a real, real, realtor, right? right? I've started in real estate. I'm doing real good. Great. Now I'm I'm the salesperson, the lead gen person, the admin person. I'm the contractor close. I'm the CFO. The C, I'm all I'm all the hats, right? I'm all right. the things. And I've got eight to ten hours of work in in a day. Maybe I've got a family. Maybe I want to go play golf at the weekend. Maybe I want to have some hobbies. My head's about to explode. Right. The bottom line is, how can I scale a business to generate more income if I'm not willing? to give up my 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 time i can't scale it because i'm all i'm doing is selling my time for money right right now 
if I want to create an opportunity where I have to maybe take my commission check, cut it in half and give it to somebody else in tandem with what I'm doing. Right. Now my business is, is scalable because now it's infinite. Because right. if I split this deal and give it over here, I can split this deal and this deal and this deal. I'm still doing my deals, mm -hmm. but now I've got 50 other people doing deals at the yeah. same time. I can't do 75 <laughs> deals in one day. Right. But I can create a business that does. Leverage. Moreover, exactly, leverage. leverage. But right. more importantly, not only do I create a business that helps me because I'm um, I, I'm, I'm providing things that I'm charging for, mm -hmm. I'm also creating opportunities mm -hmm. for people that don't have the wherewithal to do it for themselves. Right. And there are three types of people in this world, right? There's dependence, independence, and interdependence. Right. And when we talk about your average realtor, how many people, Chris, Reggie, you run a team, right? Mm -hmm. How right. many people do you meet who come in and say, all I want to do is show houses at the weekend? <laughs> right? Right. So right. create a world where they can go do that. Right. And that means that you ain't got to. Exactly. And now, I mean, you've got eight hours in a day. How many houses can you show in eight hours? Not many. 16. Probably 16. <laughs> 16. Depends on hour. where they at. I hope they're close yeah. to each other. Yeah. yeah. So let's say one an hour. So you can right. show eight homes in a day. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, if you've got four showing agents who can also show eight homes in a day, now how many can you show? scale that up. Correct. Right. Right. You leverage it. So I object. I object. I object, <laughs> I, I object to this right. idea of giving up. And, and, and I get it all the time. Like when I go and talk to an agent about, listen, how can I help you grow your business? They're like, well, I don't want to give up my commission. What would you rather? 100% of one deal or 75% right. of 30? Right. You yep. Okay. So on that <laughs> note... <laughs> There you go, though. No, that was serious. And we, um, we want to, but I do want to say this. So that is when we talk about the millionaire real estate agent. There you go. When we say we know agents that are millionaires, mm -hmm. that's why. Correct. Yep. Okay. Right. But still, on that note, <laughs> because we have been here for quite a while. Sorry. And we no. Have, no, we have fun. Um, that's what happens on good episodes. Right. Go right? ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> sorry. As you There's a guy telling me um, watching the window. Like us, subscribe on all of your favorite listening podcast stations. And Justin, um, we do have one more question for you before uh -oh. you go. We did figure out why he's such a great team leader. At the, you know, that was, you know, amazing. Mm -hmm. But the final question that we had for you was, uh -oh. uh, where do you see the market going in the next five years? The real estate market? Yeah. Um, there is no such thing as a bad real estate market. There is, exactly. there is only the real estate market. It's so and it is, funny. It, it is either... <laughs> Um, you, you know, as as a, as an agent, as an investor, you just have to position yourself on the right side of the coin. Mm -hmm. um, prices will rise, prices will fall. Interest rates are going to go up. We know that. Mm -hmm. right. So buyers' demand is going to slow. We know that. Um, the 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 bottom line is, look, that there is no bad real estate market because mm -hmm. there are always transactions. And when the market shrinks, we tend to lose bad agents mm -hmm. because yeah. the agents that aren't committed and the agents that want the easy button fall out. The agents that sustain over period. I mean, I've been in this business. Reggie, you're right. the same. How many recessions have you seen? Three. Yeah, but going. Yeah, three. You're calling you right. old. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not old. I, I, experience. Right. <laughs> experience. So, Great. No, I mean, it, look, the, the, the bottom line is, it's it's not about where I see the market going. It's about how I can help agents to position themselves for that market and help them shift and pivot their business mm. to make the best of it for their consumer. And, and the only thing that matters in, a, in an up market, in a down market, in any market is the protection of the consumer and the protection of the realtor's fiduciary role in that, in, in, in that transaction. And it doesn't matter if it's 
quote unquote media driven buyers, sellers, whatever it is, <laughs> there will still be transactions. There will still be people that need to move. There will still be investments. There will still be money to be made. What's important is making sure that people position themselves to make the right investment, the right move for their family, for their situation, um, the right purchase, the right sale, and that realtors are there to protect them. That's yeah. it. Boom. Mind blown. And yeah. we never logged on to the MLS and it says zero. Absolutely. Not even when nope. it was in folders. Right. Or envelopes. <laughs> no, you just, you, you know, ultimately, ultimately, if the pie shrinks and there are less realtors, talking you, about her age. you end up with a, uh, you know, you, you, you end up with a, with a, with a, a, a bigger slice of a smaller pie. There you go. That's it. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Great show. Where do we find you on social media? Social media? Yep. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, what am I? At Justin underscore Oliver KW.com. Oh, can I say that? Yeah, you yeah. can I say don't that. Know. Um, you can find me. Uh, so, so, there's a new coming YouTube channel. Okay. Um, the most important thing, if you're in the, the Metro Detroit area, right? Uh, you can find me as the chair of the Government Relations Committee okay. uh, for the Greater Metropolitan Association of Realtors. And you can also find me as the chair of the new global initiative uh which is gearing up to become a national association of realtors global council which is going to um help and counsel realtors who want to have inbound and outbound international transactions and boost the investment dollars coming in from outside of the country into our area to help stabilize our economy and grow our terrific city Justin right. Oliver, everybody. All right. Good episode. Great right. episode. Oh, man. That was a lot. It was really man, good. Uh, that was, man, like, we were here the whole time. Like, like, I had no we, idea. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, my wife can never listen to that because I think there was a crossover in there between the two wives, but we'll figure that yeah. out. Yeah. Hold on, you keep saying thing. the current wife.